0: Hey friends and family, it's Tyler Reams, and this podcast is a space for conversation and to explore critical issues such as racism, privilege, and the political divides that keep us from seeing the humanity in one another. On this show, discomfort is welcomed and encouraged, because learning and growing can sometimes hurt. But your story matters, and while I am left and white, I recognize that not everyone else is, and that's okay. My goal is to learn where people come from and find out why they see the world the way they do. Privilege has become something that, once I came to understand it, reshaped my worldview. We need to start by accepting that white people have had a different experience in the U.S. than other groups. Most people would agree on that. But along with that truth comes some things that are harder to accept. Charlie Willis, my cousin and my guest for today, will tell us about how he initially rejected the idea of privilege. Our conversation today will center mostly around white privilege, but there are many other kinds. A person can be privileged based on race, or gender, or by how much money they have, or by how educated they are. Peggy McIntosh, one of the foremost writers on privilege, said that some privileges make me feel at home in the world. Others allow me to escape penalties or dangers that others suffer. Through some, I escape fear, anxiety, insult, injury, or a sense of not being welcome, not being real. Some keep me from having to hide, to be in disguise. Most keep me from having to be angry. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm white. Uh, that's probably the most relevant to this uh, discussion of privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, a man with a house and, um, you know, that, that lends some, some stuff to this um, being in a position of uh, receiving the benefits of, you know, kind of the people around me and having that privilege and, and kind of looking back and seeing, Um, kind of those stepping stones that have led to where I am uh, today, where I am kind of uh, in a more safe and comfortable spot um, in a career with my family uh, and things like that and trying to look back and go, um, why, you know, Um, and be grateful of it. And uh, honestly, to be grateful for something is not to be blind to it. Uh, I'm a teacher. I've taught uh, world civilization. I've taught United States history for multiple Mm -hmm. years. Um, Currently I'm going to be teaching English and things like that. My, my big focus has always been in communication uh, Mm -hmm. and the love of that. Um, You know, I wanted to argue, I wanted to discuss, I wanted to change people's minds and to have my mind changed as well, you know, from a very young age. And so all of this kind of, culminates in in things and it it makes me question myself and my ideals consistently Mm. i like that problem that's the best problem
0: i've ever had is we should all all do that well cool and it's it's your child's birthday that's very exciting it is your daddy one for one whole year he will never
1: not be a number after today yeah huh
0: how long will you go um, with the number of months old that he is. So oh no! Will you done. go? Will, you, will it be like forty-eight months, like no, one hundred seventy-two months? Like how I long like will months. you do that?
1: Forget these months, man. I, I like clear and concise. He is one year, and then he will be two years, and that's, I that's how I like.
0: It. So what yeah. happens when I talk to you in, in December? I'll be like, "Yo, remind me like how like old is he?" What will you say?
1: Uh, he's one, I one
0: understand. and a half, right about. So like eighteen months, approximately. Uh,
1: no, like one yes. and a half. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh another conversation um okay tell us tell us why you hate the word privilege it's no
1: longer we're not having the argument over what is broken and how we can fix it it's you said this word i've encountered it so many times with just vitriol and anger and all these things being thrown at me trying to make me feel guilty for something that i don't even agree is in existence right and so automatically all of my walls go up. I'm angry about it. You're angry about it. We can't agree. We're not going to. How do you get past that? Right. Are we able to have the conversation of privilege anymore without it having that
0: tent to it? can we see past that? Or should we just give up the word? And also the, I just feel like, you know, with privilege being sort of most often a left-leaning idea uh, you know, uh-huh. that's where it comes from. I feel like, the left has done a really bad job of just like the monolith of the left overall, has done a terrible job of like explaining what this idea is Mm -hmm. and bringing people into the conversation about it. So like you mentioned, like it's automatically triggering, it's automatically like, that's not me, I'm not racist, I don't have privilege, I worked hard, like all these different things that people have Mm -hmm. like very uh, emotional reactions to, which is valid. And I think that we we should also be welcoming to that. So how would you define it? What would you, if you had to say like privilege is black. Privilege,
1: um, so just just pulling away from the idea of, of white privilege and just going to, towards privilege is the, the existence of norm, right? Whatever the norm is, that's privilege, right? If you are following the norm, if you're part of the norm, you benefit from being that norm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this happens with uh, TV shows, stories, movies, video games, right? Any kind of medium that has a uh, a narrative that includes something that is not part of that norm, right? So mm-hmm. the norm is uh, white, heterosexual, generally male, right? Um, I say generally male because there's there's some female stuff, but even that has been like you look at it and you go. What are you trying to push? What's your agenda? Your agenda um, we, a lot, yeah. Right? What's the agenda? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll even go with uh, Harry Potter, right? With Dumbledore being gay,
0: and it's like Is Harry Potter, the one with the little wizard boy. Yes, the one with the little wizard boy. Shout out to all my uh, Parks and Rec fans there. That joke. <laughs> You're the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: but they uh, with within that right the writer said that Dumbledore was gay after the fact, right? Nothing in the books, right? The original series hinted towards Dumbledore's sexuality whatsoever. Sure. And if we look at what we assumed that would mean from the beginning, if you assumed that meant he was was straight, then that is what your norm is. That's Mm -hmm. what your expected outcome is, right? Um, But as soon as we say, He was gay it had to be for a reason you made that character gay which insinuates that that character from the inception of the character in your brain would automatically be straight and you would have to change him to be gay which makes it an agenda that you made a gay character same thing with like you know um transgender black white whatever whenever you're describing a character right um, a white character, you're generally not describing their skin tone unless there's a very specific, like, ooh, they had sexy tan skin or like right, um, right anything like that. Um, or you're talking about like they'll bouncing off of their skin. Their skin is not mentioned. As soon as you bring in a person of color, their skin must be defined.
0: So, so, in, so in America, the norm is, as you said, white, male, heterosexual, Christian. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, no. Oh, Christian! Yeah, right. I mean, there's, I, so but but
0: that. are these things bad? Like, are these bad things? None of these things are inherently bad. It's not like bad. I don't have to feel bad that I'm a, that I I. One would say I hold every privileged identity, and I would argue you do as well. Yeah, I, I don't good. know. We do yeah. right because uh, we completely. are the norm. If you if that's if you're thinking like American society and American media and you know yeah. what white, is represented white married middle class in, educated. Yeah. Christian <laughs> heterosexual as a house. Men. yes like we yes. are the norm the yeah. world we can look around the world and see ourselves uh-huh that's not bad no not at all but we have to look at like okay what does that mean yeah and but what we must it represent- be like to be someone who is not the quote norm yeah like what must it what must navigating life be like for a person who isn't the norm
1: exactly like like you said none of them are inherently bad um but there's that, that idea of the power that comes from being the norm, the power that comes from that privilege from Mm. identifying as those things. Um, and a lot of the like media tries to be like, Oh, break away from the crowd. Like you're powerless. You're normal. You're average. Normal is not powerless. Normal is powerful. Mm -hmm. Normal sets trends. If you're part of that group, that average, the privilege, to what you expect, mm-hmm. they're the ones that say what is not isn't okay just by existing. Sure. Right. Pure existence. I um, accidentally talked over a lot of people in my life, um, especially women whenever I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might even just like rephrase something that a woman said, around me like in a class or like a um, professional environment and they would be like oh wow yeah 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 and i so thought it was gonna just start kind
0: of... with actually comma <laughs> actually actually uh... i think what you meant to say was yeah <laughs> we, and that's that's real like we make that joke but like we've done that yeah 100% we've done that in in male centric spaces yes. like feeling that like because male is the norm and because you know, the professor is a male or the manager is a male or whatever that it's not to say like, oh, I. it's power. not to say we, we say, oh, my manager is a male. Therefore I can talk over my female coworker at like the grocery store where I work in high school or whatever. No, yeah. that's, we don't, con- we, most of the time we don't consciously make these choices. I don't feel like. Yeah. I'm it's not, not, not like trying I'm-
1: to push my power. No. My power exists and it naturally pushes the things around me. And if I'm not aware of that, I can't change it,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: right? I occupy a certain space around myself. Right. Um, Hearing women talk about like holding keys in between their fingers as they walk down like a dark alley. Mm -hmm. I'm scared that the, you know, the ghost, the, the clown from it is going to come after me or like I'm gonna be snatched up by like saw. And they're worried about actual real life people coming to like take them. Right. And that's, that's a completely different situation than yeah, I was sure. ever, you know, exposed to.
0: When you first learned about this idea of however many years ago, mm-hmm. you told me that you rejected it. You didn't agree with it. You kind of had that um, reaction of anger. No, my life was hard. Um, Hey, this, you know, I don't have privilege. Like I worked hard, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Tell yeah. us about how you learned about privilege and what that experience was like for you.
1: Uh, I had a terrible, terrible, uh, argument, um, with uh, one of my friends on, on social media, on Facebook, Uh, (laughs) because he posted something about Obama. um, And I was just livid that Obama was our president because he just, um, you know, it's, it's his fault. You know, we only, I think the, the main thing that I was circling around, which I couldn't understand was a problem at the time was, he was only voted in because he was black.
0: Yeah, I heard that a lot. So, so you're thinking this is around like 2008 for you? Like, like uh, first term or somewhere during? He was first term. He okay. was definitely so, first term. It was so towards the beginning of his first term. 10, 12 years ago. Cool.
1: Right. Yeah. And he, um, I, I just got, I was livid. Right. He's mm-hmm. only in there because he's black. And it was a huge thing. And dude called me out on it. Right. And was yeah. like. This is not okay like we're talking about white privilege and like to see it as he's only there because he's black and the guy like, hey, he pulled me aside basically in, in here you know on social media and was like look at his credentials look at this look at this look at this look at this mm-hmm. right and the fact that he had to do that whenever so many other uh white men who get into congress who get into you know the, these giant positions of power have never had to be like, well, I'm also this and also this and also this. Mm-hmm. You are attributed certain things, right? You're able to pass certain mile markers without that, you know, mm-hmm. people not asking you for your birth certificate. I, I could not admit to myself that I was mad because they're black. I see. If that makes sense. right? It does. It I was, does. Yeah. Cause I was mad because I felt the only reason that they were elected was because they were black, which is just, So much untruth. Like (laughs) to be able to describe that to myself now is just, it's painful. Um, Mm -hmm. And he went toe to toe with me for a while on this. And I left that conversation still believing exactly how I did before. So it had no no effect on me in that moment. But Mm -hmm. because I had that conversation, whenever other things popped up, whenever other conversations were had later on, those things kept peaking, right? Mm -hmm. That one little thing kept scratching at the back of my head until now. I'm like, thank God for this conversation that didn't change me. Right. Thank God for this conversation that ended with me still being angry. That probably ended with him still being angry. Right. Mm -hmm. That we're having to have that. Um, Because without that conversation, I would still be there. Right. Like that started me down a road of having those conversations of, of challenging myself and the people around me uh, to have that conversation. Cause um, I wasn't just trying to prove myself right. I was trying to find truth. Right. So I was trying to find it, even though I didn't accept that as truth at that mm-hmm. point in time, I wanted to know I'm not okay with arguing just to argue. I want to know if I'm, if I'm right, I want it to be shown. And if I'm not right, I want to know it. Right. I want to know what is. And so, that was kind of like the basis of what led me into all these things. But I hardcore rejected it because of all the things we talked about in the opener, in that, in that idea of privilege was tainted beforehand. This idea of our relationship with people was tainted beforehand, right? Um, without me even being able to grasp it, I had been
0: indoctrinated
1: into this Style of thinking, if that makes
0: sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and it's 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 hard to admit that what we thought was true might not be as true. Oh yeah, yeah. And and I mean, I'm here to say, and just want—I to, I know some people feel the opposite of me, but learning about privilege and and the privilege that I have in the world as a white Christian middle class married educated man able-bodied we forgot that one like the fact that we don't need like any special accommodations for our physical or mental health um Mm -hmm. like that's a big one yeah that's that's a big one um Mm -hmm. and like that that's that's privilege and it's that that's one where it's also like it's just pure luck my first year teaching um i worked with a student who had severe autism and the world just wasn't built for him
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It just wasn't. And, and it makes me very sad because as a living person, he's just as entitled to have a happy life as the rest of us. And yet, you know, our system and our structure says, Oh, well we, he needs to be able to do X, Y, and Z when really like, what I would have loved for him to be able to do is to just be happy. And if that meant watching movies all day and, going on walks and mm-hmm. being safe that's that's what he deserves yeah. um your value but, is not inherent though your value is what can you bring to the table unfortunately yeah unfortunately we've created a society it's like like you know we as you mentioned earlier uh i think before we started recording um like welfare mm-hmm. like people being a quote-unquote drain on society and like taking resources rather than contributing which this is that's also like, I feel like kind of ignorant to not suggest that like people who need some type of help Mm -hmm. that they don't contribute anything, which is like so false to me because I've got, I've got numerous kids whose families receive government benefits who work way harder than you and me. Uh, And so to me, that doesn't point to their lack of hard work or lack of contribution, but rather the system we've constructed, I think that, and there's evidence to back this up that like... I won't say majority because I don't know if that's accurate, but a big, big, big chunk of Americans do not earn a living wage for full time work. Full time, would... I'm talking 40 hours a week or more that yeah. you spend at your at your job that does not pay you enough to afford the average cost of living in your in your town or your city. Mm-hmm. That to me is an injustice. And you and I, even as teachers, are privileged yeah. that we don't have to experience that. Um, I would say we're both we're both lucky to have to work in places that provide a reasonable income for teachers.
1: There were people exclaiming in a store uh, about how they went to uh, the hospital and they were just a bunch of Indian doctors and Middle Eastern doctors, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all, you know, the Asian doctors and stuff. And they're all just coming over here and take, taking, you know, jobs from, from these good American doctors. And I was like, first of all, what's to say that they're not American, right? And that's the problem is that the immediate response is they're coming over here. Right. right. Because they don't fit the description that I've built in my mind of what an American is, which is a white person.
0: Yeah. Right. That's America. I think that's, that is super toxic. So I, you know, we, we kind of talk about how like privilege is not something you should feel bad about. It's not something you should feel guilty about. Yeah. But if you, I will say if you actively use your ideas of what is normal to kind of do harm to other people and to be unwelcoming to other people, I would say that is bad. We see European immigrants as as very like welcomed and high quality, but we look very much the opposite at as, as Latin American countries, um, which is many of my students. Um, and the stories they have told me in the past three or four years since since Trump has risen and since some of his supporters have become more vocal uh, about their views on things, um, my, my kids are afraid.
1: They're afraid because
0: they aren't the norm. And they're afraid because people see them and they think they don't belong, even though the majority of my students are U.S. citizens. And the ones that aren't are some of my best. My undocumented kids are, I think, they're some of the hardest working. They they know what it takes to keep their DACA status. Um, And now that that's not available to them anymore, which is just like crazy to me to imagine like, you know, a 15-year-old kid like, crying in my classroom because they don't know what to do and they want to work and help their parents but they are 16 because she got to be 16 to work i don't know how old she was um but she was you know old enough to work she wanted to work and getting daca status uh was no longer available to her so she couldn't legally get a job to help her parents pay for you know just basic household things and I'm, i'm not talking like money to go to sephora you know I'm talking about like money to help your parents pay the bills. And she was like, so upset because she didn't have the option to do that. And I was like she wants to, she wants to, but she's seen as other, she's seen as not the norm. Um, and she's not welcomed by a vast portion of, a, of American culture, American society. Uh, and that's something that you and me will never have to feel. I see a gender divide in my kids of what, you know, 15, 16 year olds, they'll tell you stuff. Mm-hmm. you start talking to them, they'll just say things. And so I'm thankful to know as much as I know about my students. Um, what that also uncovers for me is like, what are their fears? And what are their, um, their things about themselves that they're not confident about? And mm-hmm. there's often, one thing I notice is this gender divide in like what they think they can and can't do. Mm -hmm. So I see some of the girls kind of with the expectation that, you know, I'm supposed to get married and start a family like immediately, but I really want to do this. Um, And then my guys kind of thinking they have to do like the tough, like military route. And for some of them, that's like a great choice. And others, I was like, actually, like, you could get a scholarship and go to school like right now, like you, or you could do like, you talk about how much you like working with your dad at the, at the shop, like get your mechanic certification. Like you can, it's just interesting to see like, what mindsets we get ourselves into of like, what is norm? Uh,
1: this idea of, of, of privilege, right. Uh, that starts on the ground level of education and access to, um, the same benefits of life that a wealthy neighborhood, because of the fact that we do our public schooling based off mm-hmm. of, uh, housing taxes.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that just like, cause, many people would argue that we do have equal opportunity and equal access. And then it's kind of what you do with that from there. And I would just say the evidence overwhelmingly points against that being true. Overwhelmingly and if that, points if, it. And if that, if that, I will say if that, if that disrupts your worldview, like I hear you, I absolutely mm-hmm. hear you because I've been there.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my parents paid an arm and a leg to make sure that I was educated in the best way possible, which means going to a public school by our ideas, by our standards is less than going to a private school, right? If I'm willing to pay you out of my pocket to get this education versus just for free showing up at the public school in my neighborhood, I am stating, I'm declaring very obviously that I'm willing to pay exorbitant amounts of money to get my child a good education versus whatever that public school can do. And that's specifically because of this idea that, You know, um, if I live in a neighborhood, right. That's even just middle of the road to low, Mm -hmm. right. Not even like extreme low, right. Um, we're talking, um, teachers who get middle of the road salaries, right. Mm -hmm. You have middle of the road care for your facilities and things like that. You have books that are probably five years old instead of the new books, right you probably don't have access to uh, computers and things like that in a widespread and attainable manner. And then you go to a um, neighborhood, a, a wealthy neighborhood, uh, right? And surrounding in that area, uh, you, you know, you've confined, you. let's say you've separated yourself from the, lo- the greater area, like right? the greater zone. I'm saying greater very intentionally. Sure. And you make a, a new city, a saint, a city of saints,
0: the city of the city of of George's. St. George's. perhaps. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, great example. I mean, central where, where I'm from it did mm-hmm. the same thing in, um, 2005 and it's just, you know, the kind of the more, the more I learn more about those topics, it's, it's, and I will not say that these are. These are people that are explicitly doing racist things for racist purposes. I won't say that. Absolutely not. They're doing. But I will say the, like that the some of the is. motivations, the way I see it, do point <laughs> to like a higher proportion of high income people in St. George. It shows a carving out of, and for those that don't know, we're talking about um, a part of the city of Baton Rouge that is attempting to break off and form their own city and their own school district, um, and being They're able to keep those. Have yeah. they have they done it? Uh huh. Oh, last I checked, I thought it didn't pass.
1: Oh no, they passed. Um, oh, okay. And they're they're working on like all the logistics and stuff.
0: Okay. Higher proportion of white people, um, higher income, and in many cases explicitly carves out parts of Baton Rouge, in, including portions of city blocks, certain apartment complexes that are predominantly African American and low income. Mm-hmm. And I just find that interesting. But property tax funding of schools is messed up because you end up with yes. nicer areas, with nicer homes, with nicer and higher, more highly valued businesses, um, mm-hmm. being able to and put money really, into schools at a higher level. It cycles, it's cycles, right? Cycle. The it's same cycle. thing, right?
1: If mm-hmm. if this wealthy neighborhood is able to provide better opportunities because their, their properties are worth more and they're funneling more taxes into their school system, right, that means uh, better pay for teachers, better facilities, better yeah. you know, accommodations, right? Um, extracurricular programs. That's a huge one that people don't talk about, but extra, extracurricular programs mean so stinking much. Most of the time oh, does. Yeah. about your time in high school is not thinking about your time in English class. It's thinking about your time in a club or in a sport or in a band yes. or in any kind of thing. It's those group mentalities of experiences that you were able to create outside of the classroom at school oh, and, and without the, money you can't do those. So
0: another point of, of privilege though is is the connections that come along with those things as well and the mm-hmm. networks because you know i was mentioning to you um earlier and i believe i mentioned in my first episode where i shared my story is i can fully recognize that my my networks of people that i know and people that seem to like me has taken me farther than intelligence or skill Um, and one of those big networks was a high school extracurricular that I started in the first week of high school that without those people and without those networks, I would absolutely be no one today. Um, Mm -hmm. and literally I can connect that back to everything. Like because of a friend in that club, uh, I now know Elizabeth who, Mm who I'm married to, um, because of that club, I know people that directed me towards teaching and Teach for America, which brought me here to Dallas and have given me the career that I'm deeply passionate about and continue will continue to do for the remainder of my life, I think. It, it was the extracurriculars and the networks and connections that come from that that gave me what I have today. Yeah. And you know, you could say I chose to join that club and I worked hard and I did all these things. True. And I had the opportunity. Peggy McIntosh's Invisible Knapsack um, was written in 1989. um, And it is sort of her idea of like what white privilege is. And again, there are other types of privilege. She focuses on white privilege. She did later expand it to talk about um, like sexual preference uh, privilege as well. So like what it's like to be a heterosexual woman versus a gay woman and so the reason she calls it a knapsack which i think is kind of gimmicky like the first time i read this this was this was my Mm -hmm. first exposure to white privilege so like yours was the obama thing mine was this was given to me in college um and i was like okay weird but like i'll hear you out on this and so i'm reading through it and i was like this is silly invisible knapsack like first of all this is not door the explorer like we don't call it that that's dumb and I, uh, you know, I was reading through it and I, I realized, okay, she calls, she calls it a knapsack because it's tools and guidebooks and, um, blank checks and special provisions. And I'm like, Oh, it's like a knapsack. It's like all the things you put in there that are like helpful for you in navigating through life that you may or may not realize. So you scroll through and see if any stand out to you. I'll read a few as well. And I, I will not read them all. Um, I can go shopping alone most of the time, pretty well assured that I will not be followed or harassed. I can be sure that my children will be given curricular materials that testify to the existence of their race. And I think what she's referring here is just books and movies and textbooks and look at who we learn about in history. Video games. Yes, yes. Um, So there's so much much there that we can talk about. Um, I am never asked to speak for all the people of my racial group. Which yeah. I want you guys, if, 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 if this one does not make sense to you, I want you to notice a phenomenon where if a black person commits a crime, it seems to be a reflection on black people. A white kid shoots up a, ch- a church full of black people having a Bible study. And, oh. and again, this is an extreme example, but he's more seen as a kind of lone person who was radicalized and did this super racist hateful thing but he's not expected by most people to represent all white people and anyone Uh, that does see him as a representation of all white people i would say is wrong but (laughs) it's it's an interesting phenomenon that i would like for kind of people to just take note of as you read the news as you hear stories and as your own like mental thought processes go um do you have a few that you like there was literally
1: a white girl. Um, her race was not mentioned in the article or anything that was like brought about, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas, if if uh, any person of color is like immediately like Hispanic, man, right? Like, right, right. <laughs> like, so that one with the NRA, mm-hmm. that makes sense, right? Uh, yeah. A black person holding a gun Ooh. is inherently different than a white person holding a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were people who were openly carrying assault weapons and like multiple weapons across a person in full like raid gear and stuff like that, like tactical gear and like right. stuff just dangling off their person, just like multiple weapons, right? Uh, and whenever I see that, I'm not thinking you're going to Target, right? Sure. You're just a busy dad going to Target.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: I'm thinking you're about to, infiltrate a place and assault, right? Mm-hmm. Like otherwise why are you wearing that?
0: Yeah. Right. Whereas a black person dressed like that probably wouldn't even make it far enough to get to the Capitol. It's not even um, like and that. to protest. Yeah. It's
1: it's in a hoodie, walking down the street. Right. Without any weapons on their person, right? Yep. But I think you could be carrying a weapon.
0: Oh yeah, to your point about like Dylan Roof. Yeah. Um it's it's not a reflection on all white men. It's it's a lone wolf, it's a crazy person, it's a radical. A yeah. argue Which again the, again, the the conversation is moving toward a place where I think some people on the yeah. left are saying this is a reflection of all white men. And that is just and as untrue yeah. as a black person committing a crime being a reflection on all black men. Yeah. Like both are untrue Yeah, and that's my point here. Yeah, The difference is only recently have, have those of us in privileged positions started to feel the burn of, of what it feels like to be on the other side of that. Yeah. No, that doesn't make my privilege go away. I don't think we're at that point. Mm-hmm. I still think that like I strongly benefit from white male privilege in America. Um, but we are definitely seeing a moment where people are feeling that discomfort more. And I, I think that's a good thing overall. Yeah. I think it pushes change. Um, do you have um, any others that you like?
1: I liked one and uh, 18 combined. Uh, okay. One is I can, I can if I wish to arrange, if, if I wish, sorry, I can, if I wish, arrange to be in the company of people of my race most of the time. Mm. Combining that with 18, which is I can be pretty sure that if I ask to talk to the person in charge, right, I want to speak to the manager, very mm-hmm. Karen. Uh, <laughs> I can be pretty sure that if I ask to talk to the person in charge, I will be facing a person of my race. Mm-hmm. Those two go hand in hand so hard. Yeah. Because if I'm in a uh, position of employment, right? If I'm an em- employee somewhere and I am able to be face to face with someone who is of my race, is of my sexuality, is of my um, likes and dislikes, my religion, right? Everything that matches up makes me more and more likable and naturally reduces tension between us, which will automatically, even subconsciously, right? Like you said, inherently, um, provide me a benefit of employment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then even like, so so some people might be thinking right now, like, oh, but like, there's a lot of, you know, black people and Hispanic people and women who are in positions of leadership and authority now. Yes. True. We Mm -hmm. are moving that direction. And I, again, I think that's a good thing because yeah. it's it's starting to disrupt this like this um, system of privilege that we have. But go ahead, look up what percentage, I don't have the number on me, look up what, what percentage of CEOs are white men, percentage of corporate board members are white men, percentage of Congress, um, et cetera, et cetera. And these things are, you might say, oh, well, there's more like white people in America. Yes, but these numbers are still not in any way proportional to the actual breakdown of America. So if we're talking about representation, it doesn't match our people. Yeah, it does not match actual America, and so I just want that to be known. So I added some that have been true for me personally that are not on her list. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get into a heated argument with my boss and not have it attributed to being a loud or angry member of my race. Mm-hmm. I shared this one because it happened, uh, and this was probably four four years ago. I think I was. Shouting at my boss, a Latino woman, very angry uh, about something that you know either she had said or something that was going on in the school, and you know we had a very like very passionate conversation. And I told that story later that day to a friend who was a black woman, and she didn't let me have it at all. She was like, "Wow, it must be really nice to be able to curse at your boss and still have a job after that." And I had never even thought about it that way. Oof. I was yeah. like, Oh my God. And I haven't, I've never spoken to anyone like that again, yeah. just because like, but, but the, the, the privilege and power that I had as a white man to be able to speak to my boss that way, mm-hmm. I don't, I do not think, and I've seen this tr- to be true in, in the school that I have worked at, um, where yeah, at times the, the women did have different outcomes to conversations like that. The people mm-hmm. of color on staff had a different conversation, a uh, different outcome to conversations like that. And I'm not blaming my, you know, principle or leadership or anything like that but i'm saying that it's like it's inherent in us how we see people we see the black woman as loud and angry when she gets upset we see the white man as passionate when he gets upset Mm -hmm. there's a difference there um i can count on the generational wealth of my family to have as a safety net and that's true for both of us and it's something that we did absolutely nothing to deserve um i've used it so many times as have we as have we and does that make us bad? No, it doesn't make us bad people. But does it mean that we have to recognize that we got that head start Mm -hmm. and we will have that head start when our families inevitably pass away Mm -hmm. and generational wealth passing down the way that it does, which, what is also true. And there's evidence to support this, that generational poverty also passes down. You mentioned that earlier, if you Mm -hmm. don't have access and if you don't have money to be able to do things, kind of probably suck a little bit more for you. And I have one more. I can experience economic struggles and be perceived to be going through a tough time rather than as lazy.
1: I can be uh, strong willed and ambitious, right.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: not be seen as, um, overstepping. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Cause it's right? your
0: plate. It's your place to be there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's expected of me to be in a leadership position. I can do something and apologize and walk away from the situation. And that's it. And if I choose to, I can continue to make that same quote unquote mistake
0: over and over again,
1: over and over again. Yeah. And you just have to deal with it. Yeah. Mm. Right. Um, I actively, um, and this, this one obviously stuck with me because it's from high school uh, and I'm still mentioning it. Right. Uh, my teacher was being a punk, <laughs> right? I was, oh, I just, uh, she was just being a punk that day, right? Um, and uh, somebody came out to me, like on my, on my left and I was talking to somebody else, right? On my right. And I said, gosh, you're just being such a Jew today. <gasps> Those words came out of my mouth, swear to God. Yeah. And to my left, was a jewish person right and he just stared at me and i was like those words have weight
0: yeah
1: i was able to i was able to ignore the weight of words Mm -hmm. that's my next one i'm able to ignore the weight of words and say it's your fault you're hurt because i used someone's uh heritage their religion right where they come from their background i can use that to slander another person because it would be terrible if you were like this other person
0: right yeah wow
1: and i could walk away from that conversation and be like why are you getting so hurt over these comments you need to stop taking things so seriously i used to you know call everything gay you know this Mm. is gay oh that's so gay oh it's oh it's gay that you you know, like, oh, you missed the the kick of the, the soccer ball. You gay. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then I didn't understand that experience and what that would be like for someone who actually was gay being surrounded by people making fun of others by calling them gay. Right. And I was able to just walk past
0: it. And it goes back to your point about the norm. Like a lot of people would say, like, oh, who cares? Like, we all make fun of each other. That's what people do. Blah, blah, blah. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. yeah but it's different when you're not a member of that normative group Mm -hmm. because you're all, you're already on the outside so often. Yeah. And then just ingest people are making you feel more on the outside.
1: What are you using to, to poke fun is one of the big ones that I used, right? Are you using someone's weight, someone's uh, skin, someone's religion, right? Um, these these major facets of identity or you've been like, ah, you suck at Fortnite, right? Those two mm-hmm. things are so extremely different. Right. Right? Like my identity versus like my hobby. Yeah? Poking fun at somebody because they did something stupid, right? Yeah. yeah. Identity versus hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like that extreme was so difficult for me to understand that that is a, part of my privilege right a part of my ability to just be like doesn't affect me i'm not that right yeah Yeah.
0: just one more that a a classmate came up with um she said not being questioned if you own the house that you are cutting the yard of and this is this was written by um a latino woman so even even when you know the non-normative group is able to get that status symbol of home ownership in America or whatever else it happens to be still seen as out of place or still seen to fit a stereotype what do we say to poor people who have who have worked hard and who have gotten out of bad situations or are still stuck in bad situations and say perhaps there is no privilege um, because of that you know I I'm, I don't have privilege because I I worked hard or I'm struggling still, what do we say in that situation?
1: Uh, well, I mean, first of all, there's obviously different like levels of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's race, sex, uh, class privilege, right? Um, you know, even if I'm, I don't fit race and sex privilege, if I am wealthy, like if I'm already starting off wealthy, I have the privilege of starting my life wealthy, right? Um, we talked about getting like a small loan from your parents or your grandparents that, you know, equates to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. It's hard to not succeed with that kind of, you know, assistance, right. You get that kind of stuff and it's like, I can basically not fail. There's, there's almost no reality in that. Um, and then you have the idea of like, well, you know, uh, You have race and um, class privilege, but not sex privilege, right? Mm -hmm. So you might benefit from going in nicer circles, right? And being able to afford tons of things and whatnot, but there's still going to be expectations of you as a woman, in those circles right Right. you're not going to be taken as seriously as your male counterparts in those same situations right so there are different areas of privilege and different ideas of it right white privilege as we discuss and as we've we've been kind of like moving around in this space is not saying that you're going to be rich it's not Mm -hmm. saying that you're not going to have problems because everybody's life, I honestly believe this, everybody's life is and has been hard. Yes, exactly. Right? If it doesn't matter where you are, you're going to have some difficulty, right? But the ability to deal with those difficult things def- definitely changes based on those different privileges.
0: No, I, I agree with you completely that privilege doesn't mean that your life wasn't hard. It's just yeah. not necessarily made harder by the area that you have that privilege. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah my life has been hard. Yes, I had to work hard. My race, my gender, my faith are not working Mm -hmm. against me on that. Um, And, you know, talk to almost anyone who holds a non-privileged identity and they'll they'll tell you the reverse is true. Um, Pick any one of those fields. Religion, we think that it's not Mm -hmm. a thing,
1: but, and I was discussing this with you uh, before the podcast, the, the idea that there are three mammoth crosses casting a shadow across the interstate that you absolutely cannot help but see. They yep. they break the skyline of Baton Rouge, right? Uh, yeah. And if those were not crosses, but symbols of, let's say, the Muslim faith.
0: And the crosses are, you know, on church grounds um, um, in Baton Rouge there that you're referring to, yeah. but... Look yeah, it's not the, public property. Mm-hmm. Right. But look at all the Christian symbology that is on public property. And again, I I don't care either way. I mean, as a mm-hmm. Christian, sure, yay, they put the, you know, Jesus thing on the state ca- I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a Christ
1: stick. Yeah, I love the Christ stick. <laughs> right.
0: But but it's just interesting that it's like, what is that norm? And the fact yeah. that I can go into a government building in this country and see references to the thing I believe. Yeah that's normative, It's not right or wrong. I don't have to feel bad about it, but I do have to create space for people for whom that is not true. Yep. Um, Christianity on that note, what do you think is our call as Christians to care about the idea of privilege?
1: The least of these, that's it. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Right. We're supposed to be a voice for the voiceless. We're supposed to speak out against injustice. We're supposed to um, love mercy, right? Walk humbly. If I'm, um, I'm butchering that. I'm sure I am.
0: Uh, get your Bibles out, friends. It's in there. We're supposed
1: to yeah.
0: seek justice,
1: right? And God's justice. So, what is God's justice? Is is God's justice punishing the poor?
0: Mm-mm.
1: Right? Uh, is God's justice attempting to? Uh, punish people for being homeless right mm-hmm. you can get jail time for for you know being homeless in these places that right you're sense. existing in the wrong uh circles right the yeah. wrong spheres because you don't have a home uh whenever you see christ like hey you looking here having a hard time here's some stuff let me help that's, you out let me, me walk with you let me bread. talk with you you're a human right I love you. I care about you. You're made in the image of my father, right? Mm-hmm. The image of Christ has really been circling my brain a lot lately, right? Because the, the people that you're arguing with and the people that you're arguing for are all made in the image of Christ, right? right? And that is a difficult thing to show.
0: Yeah, and most I think most people would agree that there is racism, and there is sexism in America. Um, oh. Most people would agree there's discrimination based on, on gender or sexual preference. Um, and even though we've made progress in these areas, um, there's still like problems there. Uh, there's problems with, with seeing people who practice a religion different than Christianity and all of that. So if we agree that those discriminations exist, then of, of course, there has to be a group that is benefiting as well. And that's also that idea of privilege is it's, it's not necessarily earned or chosen in most cases. Um, It's if there is a group that's put down, there must also be a group that's benefiting and that doesn't make you bad. And that doesn't, that shouldn't make you feel guilty. But I, I truly believe that the more that we are aware of and the more willing we are to see the perspectives of people other than us, the more beautiful and inclusive society that we will have. And I, you know, people talk about, Mm making America great and I think a lot of times that ideology goes back to times when there were more like more homogenous kind of white people and you didn't know who was gay and all these different things. I, I absolutely do not want to go back to that. I want America to be great because we have a space for everyone. Yeah. That's where I think that we could go with this. Do you have any shout outs?
1: Shout out to uh,
0: David Clair
1: for questioning me Mm -hmm. and sending me down a painful and enlightening path. Uh, Thank you to my youth pastor and past dad. (laughs) Uh, They were instrumental in in my growth, uh, even though I still, like the Obama thing happened Mm -hmm. after them. Right? It happened after that. But they laid such a strong foundation for me to question myself, Mm. if that makes sense, right? Oh, I like that. I I still came out of there with my biases, with my um, problematic speech, right? With my um, ideals on a Black president. Mm -hmm. Um, But because they instilled in me a desire to seek that truth and a desire to change, to be more fitting in the image of Christ, not as I want him—I wanted him to be me, but as I wanted to be him. Mm. Um, that allowed me to do that, right? It allowed me the, the flexibility, the, the strength, the wisdom to see those pathways and take them.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Cool. And of course my wife, who is a
1: giant pain in my butt about, yeah. um, being a better person, right? Uh, not that she tells me that I'm a bad person, but that by the sheer force of her goodness, she calls me to be better.
0: I like that. I also have a shout out for her because she brought me to you. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> additional shout outs to uh, Dr. Candice Bledsoe and Professor Ray Jordan uh, and, and my classmates at SMU for sharing a lot of the resources that we've used um, and then contributing their ideas to this conversation. Um, Also shout out to uh, Trista Zox, uh, Aditi Sinha, and Courtney Werpe Story for being among the three women who first introduced me to the idea of privilege um, and helping guide me along that path. Dr. Amanda Giordano from the University of North Texas said privilege is not a guilt trip. It's a call to action. A big sign of privilege of any kind is that we can choose to opt out of conversations and debates that don't affect us. We can walk away from the people we should be trying to understand, but we shouldn't do that. Race and other areas of difference are a big part of our national conversation right now. We should listen. The stories of marginalized and oppressed people matter. And I believe those of us with privilege need to hear what they have to say and be uncomfortable with what it might mean for us. We can't stay comfy anymore. For those of us who don't know what it's like to be black or gay or poor in America, we should try and imagine what our brothers and sisters might be experiencing different than ourselves. This is our call to action. Several resources are available on the episode page of leftandwhite.com, including the Invisible Knapsack Essay, a massive list of statistics about privilege, in a short video by Pastor Matt Chandler from the Village Church about the Christian call to understanding privilege. If you have feedback, questions, or just want to talk, I'm here for you. Until next time, be good.